Hello and welcome to Film School for Dad, the podcast where I attempt to compensate for my dad's lifetime squandered on meaningful pursuits and altruistic activities that somehow omitted pretty much all of popular culture. I'm Harv. And I'm Dad. And now that awkward part where I get you to say the title, even though obviously you've never heard of the movie before. No, I certainly haven't. <laughs> all right. What's the movie? I haven't studied it since uh, Algebra. Pi. Yeah. Pi, that's correct. Hmm. Let's do the intro. Pi is a 1998 independent film starring Sean Gallette, and I think I might have pronounced that wrong now that we've looked it up, uh, Mark Margulis, Ben Schenkman, and it's directed by Darren Aronofsky, which is probably the most important bit. And not that you would have heard of uh, any of those people, I would imagine. Uh, I don't believe so. No? Okay. So the reason we're watching Pi is because um, it's basically one of my favorite films of all time. It was one of the most impactful films I've ever watched. And it's changed my brain in a way pretty much no other film ever has. But certainly more than any other film ever has. So we blame the film, do we? Yeah. I think actually you can blame the film for some mm -hmm. of my eccentricities. Mm -hmm. uh, it was made for $30,000 by an unknown film student at the time who was just out of Harvard uh, Film School for, I think, five years when he made this. He spent all five years creating it. Uh, and then he collected contributions from his very large family. And uh, he funded the entire film himself out of that family money. So it's as, as someone you know, who's a grandfather of like, um, someone who's just come out of film school, is probably in a very similar situation mm. to how um, Darren Aronofsky was back then. I thought at least if you don't like the movie, you could at least be inspired by the uh, possibility, the landmark of it and the mm. possibility of it. I mean, mm. you know, if you look at uh, Ben's situation right now, he could do this. He could make this movie. Not this movie because it would be plagiarism, but he mm. could, he could make something as good as this. understand what you mean. You may not think it's good. We'll see. That's the whole point of this. But um, I don't think it will go unnoticed that it's something very special, at least, or different when you watch it. Um, and, of course, it was made with pure passion. You know, there was no Hollywood budget and there's no Hollywood actors. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was just a passionate film student who had some big ideas and things to say, and he went out and he did it. And I think that's, that's beautiful. But don't expect the production value of, you know, a Marvel movie or something because you're not getting that. What's he done since? He has done a number of things. I was actually going to go through that a bit later, but he's made a movie called Requiem for a Dream that you just saw on Foxtel when we searched. He's made one called The Fountain, which was Hugh Jackman. You may have seen the cover for it or heard of it. I've heard of that. Mm. He made one called Noah, and I'm pretty sure that starred Russell Crowe, so he must like Australian actors for some reason. Did you say Noah? Noah, as in the biblical Noah. Right. Uh, and it's the story of Noah, but it's a very strange mm -hmm. version of the story of Noah. Yeah, no, I, I saw advertising for that. It was pretty controversial at the time too. Mm -hmm. um, I hated it. Uh, but then again, it was different. So 
that's Darren Aronofsky for you. You never get what you sign up for. Uh, he made a movie called Black Swan, which is about ballerinas. He made a movie called The Wrestler, which is about a wrestler. Uh, good title, that one. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one was called Mother, uh, which starred Jennifer Lawrence, and that was also very controversial. Well, the short um, answer is he's done a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. and they've been incrementally, <clears throat> I don't want to say more successful because they're not really. In fact, um, for instance, The Fountain, the Hugh Jackman one, was a complete bomb. Uh, but the budgets have gotten bigger. The acting actors have gotten more A-list and he's been given the keys to the kingdom uh, in Hollywood, despite the fact that he doesn't make blockbusters. He's been signed up to do a couple of blockbusters and he he keeps backing out and saying creative differences. And okay, stuff. right. So they won't let him do what he wants. Um, he's got some pretty extreme sensibilities and he likes doing things that are controversial. So it doesn't suit Hollywood very well, but he's still going. Right. So mm. it achieved a lot of critical acclaim. This, this movie pie, his first one, when it first came out, it won a handful of awards at various, uh, independent film festivals. Uh, the biggest one that I saw on the IMDb page was best director at Sundance. So that's pretty significant, I think. Um, but no Oscars or anything like that, because I don't think he would have even qualified with this movie, I think being shot on 16 millimeter and a few other things, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't quite long enough to qualify as a movie. I don't know. I think it's only just under 90 minutes. It was commercially released, was it? Yes. And I saw it in the cinema when it came mm-hmm. out. Um, cause I used to hang around at the Kino when I lived in the city. Um, and this was one of the ones that came in. I, I tell you, I, when I went to see it, I was just, I just came out and I just, I just was different from the, the ideas. Like my brain was exploding with, ideas and thoughts and it it woke me up to something it was very god i hope it very doesn't have that effect me. on me yeah that's right it also puzzled the hell out of quite a large proportion of the audience i think and mm. uh uh upset the others and uh it was a you know it was a polarizing movie in in a lot of ways but i think retrospectively uh it's very well respected now anyway i don't think every audience member loved it at the time but if you want to be a pretentious uh, cinephile, you can't really say you don't like pie anymore. It's just too well respected. <clears throat> well, I'm not. Um, I have no ambitions to be a pretentious no, that's what, cinema, yeah. cinephile. I'm, I'm not trying to give you that as motivation to give it five mm. stars or something. I'm just saying that. Um, yeah, mm. it's it's one of those things where, in fact, it's motivation to do the opposite. <sighs> yeah, that's right. For you, it is. Mm. And uh, last fact is it's a film about mathematics. So uh, pie. already I'm pretty sure you're intrigued by that. Well, I haven't done mathematics uh, for uh, the best part of uh, 60 years now. Right. Well, there you go. So uh, other, other than as it applies to working out the odds on horses. Well, he does that. He does okay. a bit of that. Uh, not, not horses, but stock market stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I don't want to tell you anything about it, to be honest. I just want to give you, um, I want to make sure I deflate your expectation of seeing this you know, sort of pristine Hollywood movie image mm. that we normally are used to. Yeah, It's shot in black and white. It's very gritty. There's uh, occasional shots where you can't even tell what's going on. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, a student film, essentially. I mean, it's five years after he was a student, but um, it, because the budget was so low, it was guerrilla filmmaking. They literally like went to a subway station and filmed. They waited till everyone was gone. They filmed 
they got chased out by police. You know, I mean, it was, you know, they didn't ha have the money to do permits and do all that mm. sort of stuff. So, and a lot of the props and stuff are pretty, pretty dodgy. You just have to take them, <laughs> just have to suspend your disbelief as much as you can. So obviously you haven't heard of Pi. You haven't heard of any of those others? I certainly haven't seen any of them. I wouldn't show you Requiem for a Dream. It's too disturbing, I would say. I don't think you'd like it at all. I don't like disturbing movies as no. a rule. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is is a um, anti-drug movie, basically, showing the consequences of different forms of drug addiction. follows four different characters, all mm. having different forms of drug addiction. And the consequences are just ridiculously horrible in the end. It's just, mm. and they, it all happens at once at the end of the movie. It's just this big climax, all the music's exploding and everybody's just going through absolute hell at the end. It's just, I mean, it's great. It's great, but it's... It's not something you doesn't sound like my cup of tea uh, at all. Well, this one's a little bit gritty too, so um, I, I hope it doesn't turn you off. But I think, given uh, that it's more conceptual in nature, so you're you know, open to the possibility I might even like this. I think you will actually. I, I'm I'm a little loath to say anything about it because I want to mm. say things like it's a thinking person's movie, but I don't want to imply if you don't like it, you're not thinking, right? But it, <laughs> but it's it's an intellectual movie. It engages you on a it engages your brain rather than encouraging you to turn it off. And I think that's okay. what, mm. what uh, is important about it. And the reason uh, this, is, this qualifies as, as pop culture or whatever is because it's a classic. I mean, it, it just retrospectively now is considered a classic. It has to be. And, you know, for me, pop culture is also just movies that I like. So, you know, this, was, this is my top ten. You know, we're talking... Uh, mm -hmm. It, it, it doesn't get much better. If I wish I could watch Pi every time I go to the cinema, to be honest. Not exactly the same movie, but something is good. Mm. It'd be great. So I reckon we just get into it because I've already probably ruined, ruined parts of it. And I'm talking no, too much. no, I don't, I don't think I really have the faintest idea what to expect. Nah, well, that's even good. After all of that, other than a bit of fairly crude um, cinematography. But other, mm -hmm. than, other, other than that, I haven't got any expectation at all. But it's also worth noting, Cinematography wise, he invented techniques for this movie that are now used as standard in Hollywood. Okay. He was very inventive. They were innovative. Just, then. Yeah, yeah, just didn't have the quality equipment. So okay. they do things in this movie um, that you've probably seen in other movies, but they were invented in this movie. They were right. he, he that's that's why he's so well respected as a filmmaker, because he's just come up with stuff that, you yeah. know, had never been done before. That's interesting. We'll talk about that a bit more on the other side because they would be spoilers if I... So you ready to watch it? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, let's do that. We just watched Pie. We did. Dad, uh, I'm rendered a bit speechless, so I'll just, you know, get well, your thoughts on it. Unfortunately, so am I. Yeah, <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, my uh, my head feels like it's been pounded by a bloody uh, rock. Mm. So that's pretty much what I described, right? Except mm. maybe a slightly more positive version of that. Like not necessarily pain, but... Well, my first impression of the movie, having heard the backstory before I watched it, that it was made by essentially a student filmmaker mm. is that that's a remarkable thing for 
a young and immature person to have put together. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm 44 now and I'm still trying to find something that says half of what that film appears to say. I mean, I didn't even know really what he intended it to say, but it feels heavy and meaningful all the way through to me. It feels that way. There's a, a number of themes that ran through it, but I, I really struggled to connect them. Well, it's not a movie about answers, right? It's not telling you anything. It's no. kind of throwing ideas out and just saying... Well, it's saying there's an answer out there, but uh, yeah, good luck finding it. And it's saying these things are somehow related by mathematics or patterns or well, whatever, it's, it's all spirals. The, it's all the same stuff that's in um, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And uh, those, um, I think of them as Egyptian shapes. Yeah, sure. Uh, that you even see on poker machines. I read a book yeah. just before I watched this or just after I watched this, I'm not sure, called The God Code, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's about exactly that, about the the you know Hebrew uh, being mathematical mm-hmm. and the patterns in the Torah. And, in the, and then it talks about the code in the Bible. It's called The Bible Code, I should have said. The Bible Code, mm-hmm. that's right. And uh, it was just fascinating. Like, I... I I'm, you know, I was a kid when I saw it, not, not a kid, but I was, you know, early 20s when I saw this. And uh, it just made it, me look into so much different stuff. So I was going to ask you the question. You said it changed your mind effectively. Yeah. Is that why it, it made, well, yeah. made you uh, more inquiring of things? It made uh, me understand how little I understood uh, about, the world and all the possibilities that were out there in a lot of ways. Like I realize it's not exactly a comprehensive list of the mysteries of the world or anything like that. It picks on maybe four or five hmm. and it tries to relate them, as you say, in a way that doesn't make a great deal of sense. But the whole movie isn't about making you understand something. It's about opening your mind to stuff, I think. Well, and that's what a, it did. Or well, the way I saw it, 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 it was effectively saying these things are bigger than your mind can cope with and uh, it'll be very painful for you to explore them because yeah. it'll basically drive you nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that maybe the well, human brain isn't supposed to understand its own nature, which is something that I would tell someone now. Well, phys- <laughs> it physically crashed under the pressure. Yeah, 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 that's right. And I would say that to people now, but I wouldn't necessarily cite pie is the source but it probably is the source of that idea that we're not you know that any computational device or machine or or um, anything capable of logical thought mm. can't possibly understand its own nature anything more complex in itself yeah however he's clearly taken stuff that he learned through his jewish religion i'm assuming he's jewish i said that before and then i thought don't actually know that for sure Oh, but I'd be surprised I'd, if he wasn't. I was going to say I'd be amazed if he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah he looked, um, sounded Jewish. The themes are all Jewish. The, well, the actor's not the director. The director, no, no, the character though. Yeah. We, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was so, intended to be Jewish. So, but not religious. No, but it's it's more who, it's not who produced the movie. It's who wrote the story. 
same person though. The story I mean, was clearly written by someone who who had some of these ideas of the relationship of numbers and and mm. the universe and nature and everything in their head, which clearly comes from ancient religious teachings. So the thing's not original in that. Oh no, I don't think they're new ideas. Plenty of people have explored this stuff. They were new to me though when I was like, you know, 23 or whatever yeah, when I saw yeah. it. It was like I, it was a whole universe of possibilities that mm. I hadn't considered. You know, I sort of, you know, we grew up and and Gramps was an Anglican priest and you guys didn't sort of force us into any kind of religious ideas, which which was a good thing and mm. um I ended up being sort of atheist by default, I think. Mm. Just generally just okay, show me some proof. Can't show me proof, won't believe it, right? Sort of. Yeah. And I was always like that. I'm still kind of like that, but I'm I'm open to the possibilities because of these kinds of ideas of you know maybe the true name of God is a 216 digit number. Like well, that's yeah, that's a yeah. fascinating idea to me. I, I don't see how it would apply to my life or what it would change. Well, there but, were a massive number in the, a massive number of assumptions in the rabbis hmm. in the rabbis' little rant. That really, um, but the, I don't think you the, couldn't take that seriously. No, the but, film wasn't trying to say that the no, Jewish tradition no. was the correct no, interpretation. Absolute, absolutely, it not. was saying the number had power for some reason. I took it to be saying uh, effectively what I've felt my entire life is that there are some things in the world that trying to understand them is futile and actually will cause your brain to crash like trying to understand endless time and infinite space and yep. all those concepts that we're not equipped to deal with. No, that's right. I mean, yeah. the, I, I, it goes back to that not being able to understand something more complicated than yourself. You can't understand yeah. something that's infinite yeah. because we're finite. So I took it really to be exploration of that particular idea mm. in the context of someone's belief that there is a mathematical equation that sits behind it all. And I'm sure that Da Vinci Code and other stories that have been uh, written about similar things all originate from the same set of beliefs. Well, why do you call it a set of beliefs? Like ideas, yeah, I guess, um, or, or possibilities. Well, what the rabbi was saying was a set of beliefs. They believed there was an answer. They didn't, they didn't come at it with a scientific approach and say, we've worked out there's an answer. They no. believed there was an answer. See, I don't know if yeah. the well, – when I originally watched it and, and also probably this time too, I don't take the importance of the Jewish traditional stuff the Jewish mysticism angle as any more important than the, the Wall Street angle, the corporate angle, mm. or the predicting the stock market, or him just staring at a tree. I, I thought the movie was trying to say they're all the same thing. Abs absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying anything else. Yeah. But, but, but the religious one is what I was talking about because that to mm. me was the old originating idea. The Wall Street one, well, I didn't pick up anything that told me why they would believe there's some magical formula. Yeah, but they knew there was a number that had it's some It's very kind of power. common for people to believe that there's systems and formulas mm. by which you can make money, mm. whether it's yeah, like I've, the stock, I've heard of that happening the before stock too. Market or in, stock market or any other form of gambling, there are people yeah. who believe that. There are some systems that actually 
do work and are foolproof, if you want to be strictly uh, literal about it, although the foolproof systems will get you a return on your money. They won't necessarily make you rich overnight. Are you talking about the stock market? No, I'm talking about gambling systems. Yeah, like casino yeah. gambling. There's yeah, certain there's, systems there's ways work. to make a percentage on your money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You, you kind of need a rain man with you. No, there's systems. If you stick to them, you will make a percentage. But it's yeah. more like hard work than gambling. Yeah, it's not fun. No. <laughs> you got to sit there for, for days and mm. then you make 10% or something. And there's similar things in, in horse racing and other forms of gambling that yeah, so the systems that I believe can return a profit, but they're not systems that double, triple, and quadruple your run your money overnight. Mm. Mathematically yeah. and statistically speaking, yeah. the only systems that would work are ones that exploit some physical property, like counting cards or well, whatever. They, I don't think there's a mathematical. They formula. usually work. There shouldn't by, be. They usually work by taking out various elements of risk. Yeah. So. So you, yeah, you you remove some of the unknowns, and therefore you end up knowing that if you stick to something long enough, you'll end up in front. Right. It doesn't mean you'll be in front from the start. Mm. You've got to have plenty of money to make sure you can follow the system until. Yeah, you, you need to yeah. need to be able to. So, have so anyway, that's that's a bit of a distraction, but but I'm saying that was a gap for me. Why why the people from Wall Street were chasing it. Well, I think it's because they thought that the number, which, which it, you know, the yeah, religious yeah, Jews Yeah, but how did, they know, how did they know about it? I, I well, that's a good question. I don't think it's in the movie. No. But, yeah. You know, I mean, the religious Jews explain why they want the number yes, and what they yeah, think Yeah, I could understand yeah. why they were, well, they did in the end. Mm. No, I didn't understand in, in for very, most of it. but In a very long monologue. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah, its exposition. Yeah. yeah. Which I actually thought was, was one of the weaker moments. In the, it's a bit much. It goes for yeah. a while, yeah. Yeah, and as I say, it was full of full of jargon, really. Although by yeah. that point in the movie, I was pretty hungry for some certainty, so I didn't yeah. mind it. But yeah. on rewatch, it's a bit long to get through. Yeah, but essentially, I took it to mean, yeah, there's some secret to all these things. That mm. It's the base, basically, the same secret. <laughs> mm. uh, we'll give you all these things, and he was close to it, but. Getting there um, basically exploded his brain. That's how I took it. That's my yeah. summary of, uh, of of what was happening. It sounds like you're more on the soul side of things, where you think that the the number, whatever it is, the secret, is not meant to be understood, and it's dangerous, and it'll drive you crazy. But i i see I see this kind of as like a superhero movie where. You you have a character, and I I was rooting for him to be able to carry the information and understand it. Not, yeah. You know, I mean the way it ends, and oh, I mean all of these yeah, episodes I, are spoilers, but spoiler alert for the ending of the movie. I I agree. Yeah. I I yeah, it would have been nice and neat if we'd got the answer. But um, but where does it go? How does it end? What does it look like? Yeah, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I kind of interpret that ending as he kind of saw God or something like that yeah. or yeah that he got that understanding and then decided to remove it yeah. as opposed to he never understood it or it was going to break his brain i think he broke his brain deliberately because he wanted to unlearn it basically well, frankly he'd become such an anti-social uh, human being that, mm. um, it's probably a good thing he was put out of his misery in the end because yeah, he, possibly 
he wasn't he seemed happier. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't much good to anyone else. No, <laughs> that's right. He couldn't even do he his couldn't, hair. He couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't even be polite to people who clearly were affectionate towards mm, him. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. All that sort of social stuff, too. You know, like I guess when I was twenty-three, I was just coming out of being really shy, and I related to all that a lot as well. It made it made the movie quite emotional too mm. for me. Anyway, I mean it. I don't know if everybody relates to sort of the social, self-imposed social isolation, but I certainly had that back then. Mm. You know, I, I struggled through university to make friends and keep them and, you know, just it was a big effort for me. Mm. I would much rather just be locked in a room with a supercomputer and unraveling the mysteries of oh, the universe well, you, or something you, like that. You were vulnerable to the idea in the movie then. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Not that I was ever like a genius like Max in the movie, but just uh, I would have aspired to be, for yeah. sure. One thing that movie has done is that um, every time I hear the name Max from now on, I'll have a completely different concept from what I've had in the past. Previously, it'd be Get Smart, wouldn't it? <laughs> just about. <laughs> yeah. Although that's Maxwell, really. Yeah. True, yeah. But, but True. they do call him Max in the, in the thing. But They uh, do say Max a lot in the movie, don't they? Oh, an enormous, I'd love to count them. It'd be hundreds. The other thing that I relate it to is, um, and this is more recent, Not this wouldn't have been when I first saw it, but within the last few years, um, they're playing the game Go, and Go being one of the, I think, most complicated games Okay, well, I don't, know, I don't know that game. That mystified me a bit. No, yeah. It's, mm. Well, I don't know how they play it, right? No. I don't know the rules. Yeah. But what I do know is that IBM, just in the last five years, created a computer that could beat a human at Go. And that was a big deal. Okay. It was a really big deal. It was called AlphaGo. And and this, I, I did a whole YouTube video on it. In right. fact, I'll put the link in the description if anyone's interested in watching the video. But um, yeah, the, it was the first time ever. There was It was actually quite close as well. The computer struggled to beat him. But, but did then, you take that film to be trying to make something of Go as being in some way linked to the answer or? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, st a statement about complexity emerging in a pattern, right? It's like the most mm. complex game you can play. No, no two games have ever been alike. But at the end, when Saul dies, there's a spiral on the board. I think that was a very, a little bit ham-fisted, in fact, way to say, right. you know, complexity emerges with patterns. Right. Yeah, okay. And it, it, that's, that's true of nature. That went right? over the top of my head a bit. I thought, yeah, I, well, I think that's what it's trying to say. They ha he has a little speech trying to explain, I think, you know, that mm. it's that it's more complicated than, you know, chess or backgammon mm. or any of these games and that no two games have ever been alike, so it's a complicated system in itself. Mm. Uh, doesn't he say someone um, considered the Go board a microcosm of the universe or something? Something like, something like that, yeah. So I think that was the function of, of that game that they played and when he eventually melted down, I don't know, maybe he played a game of Go by himself mm. that resulted in a spiral. Mm. I assume it was like the idea was the 216-digit number was what caused the second stroke, that he revisited his research and went back into it and ended up Well, correct. Dying. I mean, so, I, I took it that he'd been down this route and uh, had crashed similarly to what mm. Max was doing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But I, I don't read it as Max crashing. I think it was... He survived it, he understood it, and he deliberately, voluntarily deleted it 
or drill the hole in his head to remove that part of his brain or whatever it is. But well, I took it to mean he couldn't bear it. Possibly he couldn't bear it, mm. but that he was strong enough to, whereas Saul was not strong enough to contain the information, so he had a stroke and okay. eventually died. Mm. So, you know, that, that's why I say it's like it's almost like a superhero movie, but it's it's a mathematical superhero yeah. movie. His superpower was mathematical capability, which is every time I talk about Pi, I just think it's so ridiculous the things that you end up saying out loud when you talk about it. Yeah. It's but it's a testament to the movie and the concepts uh-huh. that it has in it that it makes things sound normal. You don't often have empathy for extras in a movie, but mm. I, I had a lot of empathy for his landlady. Did you? Yeah. yeah. He did make a mess. Yeah, absolutely. She tried to throw him out and he just said, no, get out. I like that. Yeah. She never came back either. <laughs> Maybe she had a stroke as well. Mm. No, I actually had empathy for the um, the woman who lives upstairs, though. It was obviously trying to be caring and take care of him. I understood that he, you know, he, she says at one the point. The young lady. Yeah, the young yeah. lady. Mm. You know, she says you need a mum or whatever and. She was trying to sort of fulfill that role well, for him. It was, and It was an understatement. Yeah, that's right. You need a hairbrush, mate. That's what you need. Start there. Mm. Start small, you know, work your way up. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the other thing that um, I loved back in the day and probably wouldn't have uh, been something that you'd respond to particularly now is the, um, the music in the movie because it had an electronic score. Back then, that's the kind of music I was listening to. Like yes, music yes, I stuff. remember, yeah. Yeah, and I'd never heard it in a movie before like that. It was amazing. Right. The digital music. Yeah, completely yeah. digital, all synthesized mm. and, uh, you know, heavy drum beat and all that kind mm. of stuff. And um, I think it's part of what makes the movie what it is, even though. Oh, it's definitely got an atmosphere to it. No doubt about that. And that was um, Clint Mansell who, who stuck with mm. Darren Aronofsky for, I think, most of his movies anyway, mm. certainly the next two or three. But when he did the other movies with Darren Aronofsky, he did full scores. Like he was actually musically trained. Right. The reason he did the electronic stuff I've seen in interviews later on is uh, just budget. He couldn't afford to hire musicians okay. on the budget. So he just had to do everything on synthesizers. Mm. Um, but for me, it's like one of the best scores of, you know, I mean, it's so appropriate to the source material that if he'd had access to, violins and shit i just don't think it would have worked as no, well no 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 you're probably right it's certainly a unique atmosphere it's sort of that um what is it the the phrase uh, limitation is the mother of invention is that what it is no something like that necessity necessity well i think it's better necessity if it's is the actually. mother of invention yeah 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 so no, i mean that, i guess that, that applies would, yeah. that would apply yeah, yeah. But more, more so with, you know, limitation of budget being creating that necessity that, mm. you know, I mean, the amount of things in that film that are, are just innovative, but I think probably deliberately chosen just to fit the budget. Like things like, uh, you know, the guy on the train keeps turning up. Yeah. Well, that's handy because you only need one actor, don't you? And, and yeah. you only need to be on the train once with that one actor. No, I was relieved when I saw him the second time. You thought it because he disappeared. thought he jumped off the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Strangely mm. enough, that actor is in all of Darren Aronofsky's movies okay. somewhere. He's like right. an Easter egg in the background somewhere okay. in every movie that he makes. Sean Goulet also is in most of them, I think, except right. when he starts getting A-list actors, um, Sean's roles start. Sort of, you know, he's just, a bit more, yeah, yeah, he's just like the ex-boyfriend of one of the girls in the mm-hmm. movie or something like that later on. But 
Um, he's always a good actor, but I can't imagine a better actor playing that role, to be honest. Did you work out what was with the and? No, not really. I mean, other than sort of, you know, chaos being introduced into order in the sense of, well, you know, nature taking over. Ants, of course, have a very orderly existence. Um, yeah, not when they're crawling over a microchip. Well though. studied, but not when they're sort of yeah. uh, lone ants. They have nonverbal communication systems too, don't they? They, they yeah, uh, they trigger each other based on... Have a very organised working life. You get mm. ant farms. Didn't you have an ant farm when you were a kid? I think we got you one. Mm, yes, pretty we sure did. you did. Yes, we mm. did briefly. I don't know what happened. We probably killed all the ants or something, but yeah. Yeah, but you watch them uh, and uh, tunneling they, they and stuff. They get into yeah, a, ru that. a routine and um, it's like a big army. Anyway, um, I couldn't quite work out why the bull ant kept bobbing his head in. No, I think I think it was. Well, I take it as it's it's certainly open to interpretation but i always took it as despite your point about ants being orderly which really throws a spanner in the works but hmm. i took it as as nature imposing its will on something as ordered as a computer right you know sort of like being hmm. having having that sort of chaotic maybe the ant stuff. knew the answer <laughs> maybe <laughs> he kept killing them though i mean those ants really died during the making of the film by the way there's no Oh, that's a shame. You know, yeah, yeah. He killed real ants, at least five oh, or six of them. That's a shame. You couldn't yeah. do that these days. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not anymore. No, you'd have to have, you'd have to have like yeah. robotic ants <laughs> and kill those. It's yeah. true, actually. There's, yeah, you can't kill like, well, you can't kill spiders. You wouldn't be able to kill ants probably in a movie either. Anymore, well, would you? It wouldn't it be wise to be um, have killing ants in the script because no. Uh, would no, you wouldn't want to write it in. All the animal livers would be on you. That's right. There was a movie a few years ago made by Lars von Trier, who may be a director that we visit one day, but we'd certainly need to take a breath first. And he killed a real donkey in a film. Once. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was uproar about it, of course, as you would imagine. I think there should be, too. Yeah, and there should mm. be. Um, he said, well, it was old, and they were putting it down, and he had it alive one more day uh, so that he could murder it mm. in the film and it was a humane death and blah 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 blah. but yeah that didn't really calm Filming anyone down death uh, is not um really a good idea well but uh apocalypse now has a real doesn't uh, a real uh is it a bison or a i haven't seen it you haven't seen apocalypse now no oh that's probably one we should mm. we should see it does yeah it might be a bit a bit violent but it's probably contextual enough i think oh there's be a difference right. between filming death and Having film of death, there'd be plenty of film available of animals dying, but mm. not taken for the purposes of cinema. I don't know if they did or not. I'd have mm. to ask Francis. But, I'll call up Francis Ford Coppola and ask him. Yeah, all right. Well, um, I guess, I mean, it's clear you didn't find it boring, which is oh, a relief. It was, it was um, certainly intellectually challenging. I'm, I'm glad it engaged and, you in that and, way. And uh, I concentrated as hard as I could. And um, as I say, my brain felt very uh, battered at the end of it. Yeah, it's stressful. Uh, but I think probably the rap you gave it before we watched it meant I felt certainly obliged to try very hard to well, I guess that's understand a good thing. it. I mean, look, it could never live uh, up to the rap that I gave it. I, I know that, but Keep in mind, I was a, you know quite young when I was exposed to it. So if you yeah. can imagine being exposed to it, you know just when you're finishing university or something, yeah. 
when you've just had the world reset for you and everyone says, no, the world lives in between these two lines. And then you see a movie that says, oh, there's no lines, you know, um, it's, it's quite impactful, I think, you know, Uh, so it's, it was more the time. I mean, now it still kind of blows my mind in a way, but none of the ideas are new or unfamiliar. No, It, it was that unfamiliarity that really sort of pushed it over the edge for me. And I was like, just, I was just stunned by it. I was just like, oh my God, I've got so much to learn. I have no idea what to, where to start. It's just hit me why I probably haven't um, watched a hell of a lot of movies. And, and it's this. Um, if I turned on the TV and that movie was on, mm. I'm not sure I'd watch it after two or three minutes. Right, yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. I mean, I only saw it because I was locked in the cinema. Yeah. And I'd paid my money and I, I'd probably, why not stay another hour? I'd probably tune, tune out and mm. watch something else. Well, I guess that's why this is a good format yeah. for a podcast, right? Like, yeah. It's, um, it forces me to try and come up with movies that you wouldn't watch that you may or may not enjoy. You'll certainly react to. Oh, and it forces absolutely. you to watch the yeah. movies that you would never pick out but by yourself. there's a massive difference between that movie and, and – some of the more popular ones we've watched, like Back to the Future and those sort of things, is yeah, a massive yeah. difference. Absolutely, yeah. but but not not yeah. as far as popular culture goes. I don't think popular culture really distinguishes. I think, well, okay, popular movies like that you you wouldn't call that a popular movie. I don't think it. it I, you would find enough people who've seen it to call it popular. Well, didn't you didn't you say at the outset that I'd, we'd be struggling to find someone who's watched it? Yeah, so let's find out. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to yeah. ask Ben if he's seen I think Ben should definitely watch that, right? As right. something that if, if he's starting out a, a, a career in film now. Ben being my grandson who's just done a movie-making course. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, if you're yeah. listening, Ben, yeah. <laughs> if I could recommend yeah. one movie that might inspire you to, you know, to, to have to kick off your career. I mean, yeah. wow, you, could, mm. you certainly couldn't do much better than that. Um, it doesn't have to be that either, but it, you know, mm. just at that level of, um, you can see why it took him five years. Like he released his student film and finished his mm. his degree at Harvard, and then five years later does this. So oh, absolutely, he must see. have been thinking about it. For you years. can absolutely see that. All right. Well, you need to give it a score. And uh, all right. Well, it's a hard one to score. Um, I'm certainly not going to give it a bad score. Okay, that's good because I'd storm out and yeah, break things. Yeah. On the criteria of enjoyment and the things that I hope to get out of movies, I'd probably leave it at a six, I think. Okay. Because it was a bit tortuous. Yeah, it's not a pleasant experience. No, no it's not. It's not. Um, Which is what I. Yeah, pre- no, prefer. you're right. Your, your criteria I prefer, is. I prefer a pleasant experience out of a movie. That doesn't mean it can't have bad things in it, but yeah. I mean. It's grim. A storyline to follow and. and, and yeah. Preferably, um, you know, some some um, nice music and things like that. But uh, it was sort of like reading a, a really heavy novel. You know, it's yeah. a great piece of literature. There's some brilliant writing in it, but it's not sort of gripping you to turn the next page. You know, that, yeah, right. That, it was that sort of experience for me. Yeah. So um, yeah, but I'm certainly not going to fail it. So I mean, we're talking your favourite movies are The Bodyguard and and Dances with Wolves and and, uh, uh, the graduate, the graduate, yeah. uh, you know things like that. So and, it, and it good, couldn't be and, more diametrically and opposed. Com- and good comedies, and and I'm finding finding good thrillers, and I'm finding a lot of them are made um, 
uh, in non, you know, in um, European uh, films. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good you, thrillers. You mentioned uh, what was the movie you mentioned? Oh, I've met, I've I've watched a couple recently. One was called The Guilty, which the is one. I think Danish, and yeah, um, yeah and I, I mentioned The Wave to you the other day. That that uh, I know it's been around for a while, but I saw it for the first time. But those sort of things. That's my uh, taste, as I say. Stuff from SBS, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus really good comedies. So the next yeah. one we're going to watch will be um, comedic. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a straight comedy, but it certainly yeah. uh, certainly has, um, I think, potential to be uh, something you'll really enjoy. Good. It's a comedy, but with a little bit of depth behind it. Yeah. So I won't I won't preempt it any more than that. But uh, I had it downloaded on my phone, ready to go yeah. for today. I just picked Pi because I thought uh, I don't know, just felt like you know throwing it in at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I just. Okay. I actually I actually put the choice to Rodders and he didn't reply, so I had to pick it on the train when I was writing the synopsis. And I actually just knew more about this film, so I thought, well, it's easier to write a description of it and that kind of thing. So. Well, I can see it's had a, a significant influence on you. It has, mm. yeah, very much so. Yeah. All right, thanks very much. Six points. I think I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, Dad. All right. See ya. Enjoyed it. Thank you.